Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to Psalm 13, the first psalm that we read in our text, the first two verses. Psalm 13 and verse 1 and 2. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? Psalm 13 verses 1 and 2. And you would have noticed in this text that there are four times that the psalmist David asked this question, how long? Now throughout the word of God there's some 53 times that this question is asked. Sometimes it is the Lord asking his people when they are continuing in sin and walking in wayward ways, he asks them, how long will you continue in idolatry? How long will you walk in these ways? Sometimes it is the word of the Lord to the likes of Pharaoh that how long wilt thou not let my people go? And then the words of Pharaoh's servants to Pharaoh where they say to him about Moses how long shall this man be a snare unto us there's many times that in the word of God this question is asked and there's an implying that often there is not an answer there's not a knowing how long Actually, something will take place, how long it will go on. But there's the indication that this has gone on for a while and it seems to be going on and on. And the question then arises, how long? It might be that we are walking in a path like with the psalmist here and... Our question is, how long shall this continue? How long shall we walk in this path? We do not know how long. But the very asking of the Lord implies there is a set time and the Lord does know what that set time is. He is in control and there is a plan, there is a purpose It is not just chance, there is a time and a place for everything. But this question often arises for the people of God. We think of poor Job in his affliction. Surprisingly, he doesn't ask of the Lord how long, but four times he asks his friends how long were they going to speak those evil words against him? Those words that instead of comforting were a sorrow and distress to him. So in thinking of this word and thinking of Psalm 74, 
where they there complained and said that there is none among us to know how long at all. We think just by way of introduction, those great length of times that the Church of God is to know. And the first is the expectation of the coming of the Messiah, the promised seed, the woman that should bruise the serpent's head. Now we know that from the promise that was first given in Genesis 3 verse 15, that there's some 4,000 years that went by before our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ came. And the Church of God, right through that time, many times, they asked how long. They knew there was going to be a coming. God would bring about that promise. He would visit his people. He would save them. And we know from the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 1, the beautiful order that God had from Abraham to David, 14 generations. From David to the carrying away into Babylon, 14 generations. From the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ, 14 generations. A perfect order, God ordering it, but that was hidden from the church of God. They didn't know those times. It wasn't shown to them when the Lord would come. Types, shadows, things that they went through, but the time was not yet. But the time did come, and the great blessing of the New Testament church Today, as we meet, as the gospel is preached to us, and that we might be feeling in our path how long, we are reminded of the Old Testament church waiting and waiting, but the Lord did come. He did appear to them. The Lord Jesus Christ did appear. He has fulfilled the scriptures. He has suffered, he has bled, he has died, he has risen again and he has ascended up into heaven. Salvation has been brought about through the promised Lamb of God. And so all of that expectation of the Old Testament church, we read in Hebrews 11 that they all lived and they died by faith, having not received the promises, but saw them afar off and embraced them. They saw the promises of Christ. And Paul says that they without us, that they should not be blessed, that we should be the ones that have seen that promise realised. They look forward to Christ by faith. We look back to Christ, what he has done by faith. And it is the word of God that declares to us and tells us how salvation was accomplished through our Lord Jesus Christ upon Calvary's tree, his blood shed, the way of salvation, the way of escape from the wrath to come, brought about through the sufferings of the Lamb of God. 
is vital for us to realise what was fulfilled and what was done at that time. The Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. God's promises fulfilled and all the promises of God a yea and amen in Christ Jesus. In bringing his beloved Son into the world, he has sealed every blessing for the church of God. Satan is cast down. The accuser of the brethren is cast down, who accuse them night and day. Why are you in heaven? Why are you saved? The blood has not been shed. The payment has not been paid. It is only on promise that you are there. It's only on promise that you have been saved. But now when Christ died, the payment is made. It's like if we were to uh, go into a shop and we said to the shopkeeper that we would like this and this and we take them home and we say we will pay you at a later date. And people could say to us, you've got those goods in your home, but you haven't paid for them. It's all on promise. You're promised you pay for it. And maybe it was food you had, and you ate the food, and the food was gone, but it hadn't been paid for. But it was all promised that it would be. But as soon as that debt was paid, as soon as it was paid, then no one could accuse you anymore. The debt was paid. And so with our Lord Jesus Christ. And again, in these gospel days, we proclaim mercy, forgiveness and pardon through our Lord Jesus Christ on a debt already paid, a work already finished, an empty tomb, the risen Saviour. So the Church of God saying how long we may know that God keeps his promises and though he may long delay, though the time be long, yet he will come and he will fulfil in every particular, in every way. And so the Old Testament church was then looking for Christ's first coming. But when Christ ascended up into heaven, then the angels came and spoke to the disciples and they said that why stand ye gazing up into heaven? He that ascended up into heaven shall come in like manner. And we are told that he shall come in the clouds with power and great glory. And at a time and an hour when we look not for that no man knoweth that day nor the hour no, not the angels in heaven, not the Son, that is a mystery to us, but the Father only. But that he will come is certain, but the time of his coming is not yet known. But the New Testament church then is to wait for his Son from heaven. The Thessalonian church, they were blessed with the word, not in word only, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, and they became followers of the Lord and of us, and they were called to wait for his Son from heaven. Well, some of them took it very literally. They stopped working. They were busybodies. They thought the Lord would come any time, and the Apostle had to explain to them 
that they had to continue working, occupying till he came, and that he would come. And we are still got to redeem the time, serving our day and our generation, awaiting that time that the Lord will come with power and with great glory. Very different to how he came before as a babe. He shall come with great power. Every eye shall see him. He shall come in the clouds. It shall herald the end of the world. The dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive shall be caught up with them in the air. He shall come with all of his saints. And the church of God is all the time asking this as well, how long? They're watching the signs, watching the things that are happening. Men shall be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Yes, we see that today. There shall be a famine, not of bread and of water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. We see that today. You can go into many churches in this land and the Bible won't be opened. It won't be read or read very little and hardly preached from. Or it may be that it is read, but it is not heard with power, heard with authority, heard in the soul. And we see these days in which we live, when men have no knowledge of the things of God. There is much running to and fro, knowledge shall increase, and it has in the last hundred years. Knowledge has increased so much. You go back 120 years and we were still using horse and cart for uh, motive around or just the car starting to just arrive. And what has advanced in computers, in cars, in aeroplanes, in all manner of things. Man has been given wisdom for that but he has not been given wisdom of the things of God except through the preaching of the word, except through the work of the Holy Spirit. It has pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. God in his wisdom hath kept that wisdom from man except it be revealed from heaven. And we see this great difference between natural wisdom and spiritual wisdom and that which is attained by man, and that which can only be attained by the gift of God. By grace ye are saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So the church of God then is waiting for the Lord to come, and they are asking this question, the question asked four times in our text, how long, how long will it be? And their expectation, why they ask it, is there longing for that time? Paul, he says that I might depart and be with Christ, which is far better. There's that desire for a heavenly country. There's a wanting to be free from the body of sin and death and to be with the Lord. Well, those are those two great times of which the Church of God is asking how long. But you and I, in walking it out like the psalmist David here, will have those times in our life as well that we are asking how long. And in connection with this question how long, there's four things that are set forth in our text. 
I'll just name the points and then we'll go back over them. The first is the Lord remembering his people. It's put in the opposite way here. How long wilt thou forget me? But the Lord remembers his people. Secondly, the Lord showing his face to his people. The question, how long wilt thou hide thy face from me? But it implies this, the Lord has shown his face to David and he does show his face to his people. The third is inward counsel and heart sorrow. God's people know what goes on in their hearts, the things that they question, the things that they feel. And then fourthly, there's being under the hand of the enemy. We are in an enemy's land, but David says, How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? So firstly, the Lord remembering his people. The psalmist says, How long wilt thou forget me? But the Lord really doesn't forget his people. He always remembers them. He says, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. The church in Isaiah 49 uh, says that uh, the Lord hath forgotten me. Zion said, the Lord hath forgotten me. The Lord says, can a woman forget her sucking child, the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. I have graven thee upon the palms of of mine hands. Thy walls are ever before me. But the church, like David here, does feel at times that the Lord has forgotten them. Instead of helping them, appearing for them, he seems to be silent and not appearing for their help. When we think of the children of Israel in Egypt, And Pharaoh was making their tasks very hard, their grievous burdens. We read that the Lord looked upon their affliction and he had respect unto them. He remembered them. He recognised them as his people. And what did he do first? He sent Moses. Moses was born. But 40 years, Moses was in Pharaoh's household. What was Israel thinking about then? Forty years is a long time. And then Moses had to go into the desert another 40 years. Were they still thinking, how long? How long are we in Egypt? Some of them may have remembered God's promise to Abraham. Thy seed shall be a stranger in a strange land, and they shall be afflicted 400 years, and then I shall judge that nation and bring them out again. Some of them may have remembered that scripture. They may have been looking for that time. The same as Daniel was remembering 70 years in Babylon, looking for that time to be finished. Those who know the scriptures often can have a comfort and a joy where the Lord has set a time, has set a bound, but sometimes it is not clear And sometimes it is not really realised or even told the people of God. So the children of Israel had to walk through that time. 
And then even when Moses was sent, they must have wondered as well. Nine wonders, Egypt just about destroyed and still we are not let go. And yes, Pharaoh's servants saying, how long shall this man be a snare to us, Moses a snare to us? But the children of Israel must have thought, how long? Before we will be let go before we have served the Lord. And yet we know the Lord did appear and it was with the shedding of blood, the Passover, that is what released them, that is what set them free, that is what closed that period of bondage and captivity. May we always remember that. It is the setting free, it is through the precious blood of Christ that releases the people of God, that brings an end to their captivity. But we think of how it was with dear Jacob. The Lord did not tell Jacob that his son Joseph was still alive. And for 20 or so years he thought he was dead. Wouldn't have prayed for him. Wouldn't have thought of him that he'd ever see him again. He said to Joseph later on, I thought not to have seen thy face, yet God hath shown me thy seed. And yet he walked through that time, not knowing even, and he might say, he might have felt there how long, not how long till I see Joseph, but how long that God was going to be with this cloud over him. It must have been a very dark period in his life, of which scripture is silent, and yet he comes to nearly the end of that period, And he says, all these things are against me. But how close he was to that time that he was going to see that they weren't against him at all. You might feel like that too. Some matter, the Lord doesn't seem to be appearing at all, silent to you. So mysterious, so perplexing. And you might say, how long? But the Lord knows how long. Those afflictions shall pass upon us. We think of Joseph himself in prison. He interpreted the dreams of the butler and the baker. And he pleaded and he asked the butler that when he was restored to his office that he would remember him, but he didn't remember him. And Joseph must have thought, how long? How long am I going to be in this prison? How long before the dreams that God gave me are going to be fulfilled? But they were fulfilled. And very suddenly, very quickly, it must have been a very sudden event where Joseph was called for, shaved himself, dressed and stood before Pharaoh. Very little warning at all of that. So the Lord remembering his people, appearing for them, helping them, Maybe in providence, waiting for the Lord to appear, maybe in a job or a home or a place of worship, maybe in the soul that is brought into concern and they feel themselves a sinner and feel under the law and under condemnation and they wonder how long they are going to be in this low place and the Lord seeming to forget them and they might remember and plead the word 
that ask and it shall be given you, seek and you shall find. And they might say, but we have asked and we have sought, but we haven't found. And how long shall I go on like this before the Lord appears? And this cry of the psalmist, how long wilt thou forget me? Do you feel, do I feel forgotten of the Lord? Here is David, a man after God's own heart. And he is saying this, you are not alone. You walk with the psalmist, David, in this word. So the first is the how long in relating to the Lord remembering his people. He seems to have forgotten them. We know he doesn't. But the Lord will remember and visit his people. And we read like with Noah, he had a year in the ark. And then we read the Lord remembered Noah. And what it meant was the time of the going out of the ark was coming to pass. When he remembers a people, it brings to a close like the 70 years in bondage or David running away from Absalom or fleeing from Saul and brought to the kingdom. It is spoken of in that way. The Lord remembers his people to appear for them, do them good, deliver them and answer their prayers. May we still pray and may you be encouraged still to pray, Lord, remember me. Remember how quickly the answer was given by the dying thief, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. He had an immediate answer. And very soon he was with Christ. This day shalt thou be with me in paradise. A very encouragement for us to continue to ask the Lord to remember us. The second thing is the Lord showing his face to his people. David says, How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? Now we would remember when Adam and Eve were driven from the garden that there was that separation between them and God and the separation between God and man. We know what it is if if someone is angry with us, if someone is not favourable to us and they give us the back, not the front. Give us a cold shoulder, they turn around and they look away from us. And that's very different than someone looking at us and they smile at us and they're pleased to see us. It's a very big difference. And when we can see someone's face, then we can read their countenance. We can read whether they are pleased or angry. But when they're hidden from us, when they're looking away from us, we cannot discern that. And this is what the psalmist is meaning here. In his day, he couldn't literally see the Lord like the disciples did on the uh, road. He couldn't look in the face of our Lord the same as we can't. But we can use the same language in this way to be able to discern the Lord's face towards us. And I believe it very much is in the face of of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is in him that God looks with pleasure upon his people, joy upon his people. 
is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is in the Lord that we can look upon God and not perish. Remember, Manoah and his wife, Samson's parents. And when the angel appeared to them, and Noah realized, or Manoah realized that they had seen an angel of the Lord, he said to his wife, that we shall die because we have seen God. But his wife said that if the Lord were pleased to kill us, he would not have shown us such things as these, nor would he have told us such things as this at this time. And she was able to see a reason why they would not perish. Of course, this was one of the pre-incarnation appearances of our Lord Jesus Christ. He asked after his name, Wherefore askest thou after my name, seeing it is secret? And that's what makes it so beautiful. In Matthew 1, his name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. It is in the face of Jesus that we can look upon the face of God and not die, not perish. It is in Christ alone that we have salvation. And so when the psalmist says, How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? What we want is the Lord to reveal his face in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the gospel, as a smile, as a way of salvation, in joy, in pleasure, those, the expectation of heaven that we shall behold his face with joy, that we shall see him as he is without a veil between. Now it is he sees us, but then we shall see him. And here below we want the visits of his face, we want his blessings. We want the sweet savour of Christ, the joy of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord that maketh rich, that addeth no sorrow with it. When we see Christ upon the page of Scripture, when we see him like the eunuch did in Isaiah 53, it is at those times that then we have joy and gladness. Then were the disciples glad. When they saw the Lord, with them it was literally. But with us we may see the Lord through the lattice of his word. And that then makes us glad. For you might be longing for that, waiting for that, to see the Lord through his word, to shine forth. And your question might be with David, how long wilt thou hide thy face from me? Oh, the Lord knows when he will favour his people. There is a set time to favour Zion and to visit them and to bless them. The third, how long, question is concerning the inward counsel and heart sorrow. In verse 2, we have how long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? It is a privilege of God's people to ask counsel at the Lord, that we walk in the light that he gives us and the wisdom that he gives us. But it's a sad thing when we feel that the heavens are as brass, they are shut up, and all we are doing is to asking counsel at our own heart. We are reasoning things through. 
We are going through matters. We read in the multitude of counsellors there is safety and we may indeed ask other men their counsel and their advice. But the blessed thing is when we have the Lord as our counsellor. Now the children of Israel, when they had come into the promised land, had the Gibeonites come to them, making out they came from a far-off country. They had old worn-out shoes and old worn-out garments, and they said, Thy servants are come from a far country. Make a covenant with us. Make an agreement with us. And we read, The children of Israel asked not counsel at the Lord, but took of their victuals. They saw what they thought was a clear-cut case and they made their decision on that and then they proved deceived. They couldn't destroy the Gibeonites. They ended up their servants. The Gibeonites served the children of Israel but they couldn't destroy them. And it's a lesson to us, especially when things seem very easy for us to decide ourselves to ask counsel of the Lord. But David pictures here that day by day he is going over things in his own heart. And the more he looked within, the more sorrow he had. And that might be where you are, where I am. The more we look within, the more sorrow we have, the more low we get, the more discouraged we get, the more confused we get. The help for the people of God is looking out of self and looking unto the Lord and seeking that counsel and wisdom from him, not in ourselves. And really, David's how long? This is not a comfortable place that he is in. As if he would say, I don't want to remain in this place of sorrow in my heart daily and constantly just having my own self to ask counsel and wisdom of. I want to have that joy of the Lord speaking to me. Thou shalt hear a word behind thee saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it when ye turn to the right hand, when ye turn to the left. David would say, I want to walk in the way of Psalm 32. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. That is the way that I want to walk in. I want to hear thy voice, that still small voice. And then there is that gladness. You know the children of Israel through the wilderness had the fiery cloudy pillar to go before them all their journey through. They had the Lord to counsel them, to show them the way that they should go. And when that is withdrawn, I hope that we also are sorrowful. We don't want to remain like that. We want the Lord as to be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. When he putteth forth his sheep, he goeth before them. And the Lord is our counsellor. He is the one that advises us. Well, that is the third. Then we have the fourth. How long? And this is concerning the enemy exulting over him. David had that in the time that Saul was pursuing him some seven years. 
He had that time when Absalom was pursuing after him. He had the adversaries that were in his own camp, even his own family, the sons of Zeruiah, which were a burden to him. Sometimes, like with the children of Israel in Babylon, the Lord had it that the enemies of his people ruled over them, and they seemed to have the mastery over them. And the question, how long, may rightly be asked. God's children have enemies. Satan is their adversary. They have their own wicked, evil heart. They have the world as well. All these adversaries, there are many adversaries. And so the people of God prove so. And so the question, how long? Shall mine enemy be exalted over me? In a way, it's a great blessing where we are brought to feel and know that Satan is our enemy. Remember when I was young, one of our hymns, hymn 76, the words of that hymn says, At peace with hell, with God at war, in sin's dark maze we wander far. And I asked my mother, I said, this, this is written wrong, this hymn is wrong. Surely it should be at peace with God, with hell at war. That's the way it should be. But I didn't know my own heart then as a child, uncalled. I didn't know how in line with Satan I was and against God. Man goeth forth from the womb speaking lies. We are at peace with hell. But when God starts to work in a soul, when that soul first begins to pray, then Satan knows he's in danger of losing that person. Then he will attack them. Remember when Christ was baptised, the first thing that happened, he was driven into the spirit by the, uh, into the desert by the spirit to be tempted of the devil. And the devil will try and attack the people of God. When they side with the Lord, when the Lord begins with them, then he becomes their enemy. Peter, he warns of your adversary, the devil, that goeth about seeking whom he may devour. And sometimes it seems, like the time with dear Peter, that he denied his Lord and Master three times, that Satan is in control and that he is over the people of God. But the Lord prayed for Peter. He said, I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under the law, you are under grace. And that is the great mercy and blessing for the people of God. They may have enemies they may at times seem to be exalted over us, but there is a set time for that, a deliverance, the same as the children of Israel out of Egypt, the same as the children of Israel out of Babylonian captivity. There is a deliverance. There is a setting free. So may these how longs of our texts, these four of them, may they come where we are in our life, our experience, the encouragement to us, a help to us, that this is the 
inspired word of God, but it's also the experience of David himself. And when we have long, long trials, I remember one of the Lord's dear servants came and preached here many years ago, and he said, the Lord may give us a long trial of many, many years from the beginning to the end of it. But what he will do in the middle of that time, he will give us a short trial, maybe an affliction, and he'll bring us into it and he'll bring us out of it to show us that he is with us, that he is our God, that he is able to deliver, to encourage and help us in that long-running trial that may last many, many years. So if this is your cry, your question this morning, may it be a help as you walk with David here with this question, how long? The Lord add his blessing. Amen.